0: This is episode 5 of Motherboard. This episode is sponsored by our Kickstarter campaign, so huge thanks to everyone who gave and by Heroku. Heroku allows your organization to build apps faster, deploy instantly, and scale on demand without managing servers. Gain the flexibility to deploy any language, any time, and to any scale. Learn more and sign up to get started at Heroku.com. I'm Catherine Rotundo, and our guest today is Andrea. Andrea is a quality assurance manager and has two kids, aged 11 and 13. Hi, Andrea.
1: Hello, Catherine. (laughs)
0: It's great to have you here. How are you doing?
1: I am doing fantastic. And you?
0: Uh, Good. Yeah, I'm I'm just off of um, Easter break, so (laughs) trying Mm. to get back into... uh, um, in, In Germany, we have a whole week off for that, which is, um, for me kind of a forced week off. I'm not used to it culturally. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And, uh, you also have been doing a lot of traveling from what I understand. Yeah.
1: Yes, I have. I spent a month in Asia recently. Just, I've been back a couple of weeks now. So I've, I'm, I'm almost unburied from <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the
0: email pile from being away. And, um, it was at work
1: Yes. So three weeks of it were a business trip and the last week was a vacation.
0: Cool. So I'm definitely interested in talking a bit about how travel uh, uh, and motherhood interact for you. Um, But first, uh, could you tell us a little bit about what you do, what your job is like?
1: Sure. Uh, I'm happy to. So I'm a QA manager and basically um, work in a call center environment or contact center environment. And I manage a team of QA leads whose job it is to run um, user acceptance testing phase of a number of tools projects. And what that means is the tools that the advisors um, who talk to customers use while they're on the phone or you you know communicating via email or via chat with customers, those software tools that they use to manage their work, those are the tools that my team tests uh, whenever they're being enhanced or introduced or modified. We test them to make sure that the design is there and everything's um, on track for delivery of that software product.
0: Wow, de- that definitely um, sounds important. And I would never have thought about that. That you know I, I've. I've talked to uh, people in a call center before, but I've never thought that the software that's helping them do their job is something that would have a whole team of its own to test.
1: Yes, um it's we've found along the way that you know some of the t- software we use is external sort of out of the box, and we can use it as is, but most often it is either internally developed um, or highly modified from off the shelf so there's a lot of work that goes into making sure that it's uh, meets our standards for you know serving customers and the um, employees well and capturing the data we need to capture um, and basically enhancing their workflow rather than interfering with it so. It's pretty yeah,
0: That makes a ton of sense. Uh, I, um, I've i built a number of WordPress sites for people, and I can almost never use mm-hmm. it just straight out of the box, you know? Right. So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, so how did you get started on a, a technical path?
1: Well, let's see. I guess it really dates back to my um, first year in college. Um, when I arrived on campus, um, they, my advisor told us that, he didn't care which computer we used, but all of our papers had to be on, produced by a computer, <laughs> which at that time was kind of, you know, a switch. Um, um, we were still, basically computers were considered a kind of a very geeky thing um, to use in that in that time. And so it was a little bit of a transition. I had never owned a computer before, so um, on campus we had a few Macs scattered around. There was one in the dorm, there was one in the computer center, of course, several. Um, and so I picked that as my easiest available option. Um, and that sort of started me on the path of realizing that technology was something that I wanted to be involved in and could get excited about. I actually began um, college as a computer science major. Um, and that lasted maybe a year. Um, and during that time I really enjoyed the work however I discovered that I I was beginning to really realize that I was one of the ones who wanted to use computers and being very involved with them but I was not the one who was going to tell them what to do directly Mm. (laughs) so the coding part (laughs) dropped off fairly quickly um, but I really wasn't entranced with I I loved working with them and using them to be more efficient and do cool things and how do they work Um, but I knew which side of the the wall I was on.
0: <laughs> well, that's so interesting because I think there are probably uh, people who don't have that same reaction who just think, "Oh, if I'm not going to be one of the people who controls it, then I don't really want to work with it." Mm-hmm. So that's interesting.
1: Yeah, and I don't think I decided at that time that I wanted to work long term in that industry or anything. It was just something that I was embracing um, as as something I wanted to be part of my life, but, you know, uh, I switched my major, um, to psychology, but I continued to be, um, really interested in using computers. And obviously that's where I eventually ended up. So.
0: Cool. So, so you say eventually, so was it not straight out of school?
1: No. So when I first, um, my, like I said, I switched my major to psychology and I ended up, um, focusing on animal cognition as my topic and at my college um we basically had to do a mini dissertation um you do a, a a very small version of it the second half of your junior year and then your whole senior year is involved in this independent study and you basically conduct research or whatever it is appropriate for your field um you write a paper um and then you defend it to a panel of professors from your department um And so mine was in animal cognition with monkeys. Um, And when I went to graduate school after that, I did focus on that sort of field, Um, and that's when I moved to California, and um, ended up not panning out. I didn't really enjoy the work for, you know, a variety of reasons. Mm -hmm. And so I uh, left school, took a leave of absence, and decided to do something else, Um, and worked a number of unremarkable jobs until... um, Landing in a couple of offices, and they just happened to be Mac-based offices, and um, that really got my attention. I really kind of got back in touch with um, what I had started out in college being interested in, and served as sort of substitute IT managers, if you will. They were very small offices, so and there's not a lot of overhead <laughs> on Mac Mac network. Um, but really got and became the expert and, and moved from job to job and put together a string of jobs involving, you know, Mac computers. And then one day I was having a long commute, and every day I would drive past um, my company's building um, and kind of one day realized, I wonder if there's a job in there for me. <laughs> <I> <laughs> and so, yeah, exactly. And it turned out that it did, and um, I started out in the contact center, and um, that's, that was 15 years ago.
0: Wow, fantastic. So, um, so you were there 15 years ago, so you must have had your kids while you were there?
1: Yes. So I was uh, married, but childless when I started.
0: So before we talk about what your kids are like now, let's go way back to the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. What was it like you know, 15 years ago or 13 years ago to be pregnant in a tech company?
1: It was was interesting. Um, You know, having it be a tech company, obviously, there's a predominance of men working there. And many of them were young and single. uh, And many of the people around me were. And um, so I was kind of one of the first in my sort of peer group to um, get pregnant and start to begin to wrap my brain around that. Um, I had been married for several years, about eight years before getting pregnant. So I felt like I was sort of ready and I've done a lot of the, you know, doing the career thing and doing the thing as a couple. So we felt very ready. Um, and my company was super supportive. Um, they had very generous benefits and they were very good about coaching us and realizing that there had to be a work-life balance. because um, oftentimes in that industry, things can get very intense and lots of long hours and projects. Um, and I was very gratified to be at a place that recognized that, you know, home and family were important as well. And um, they helped me set good boundaries and very supportive as I prepared to be, become a parent. You know, we even had some sort of little classes or um, seminars to go to about parenting and about balancing things. And it was really great. So I have felt like I had a lot of support. And I think a lot of my peers were um, kind of playing along in the background <laughs> as they were to make that journey themselves. Um, so it was a very positive time.
0: Wow. I, um, I wonder if that's something that's disappeared in the last decade. I can't imagine a company now. Uh, maybe yours still does. But um, wow, I, I can't imagine people being like, oh, yeah, make sure you're taking care of yourself. I, I feel like the focus today is almost... all on like don't disappear for too long and come right Right. back and be super productive immediately
1: right i think there are those certain pressures there um and i i see that definitely as i now manage people um it's only been in the last couple of years in my career that i have taken on people management and um one of the things i try to bring to that is that that the setting of boundaries and the asking for what you need and the taking care of yourself, that has to come from the, the employee, Mm -hmm. um, the company has a lot of, you know, policies and they have things available to you, but they are never going to be the ones, um, that insist that you strike a good balance in your life. You have to be the one that sets your boundaries and then works out how you can um, negotiate that with your manager or your, your infrastructure. Um, and I'm fortunate to work in a company that's very supportive, but I don't, you know, that doesn't mean that they wouldn't push me farther if I didn't object. Right, right. <laughs> so, you know, I hear things, you know, among peers and, and other people that I've talked to that, you know, there's never a good time to take vacation. They have all this vacation saved up and they can never take it. And I just, I don't agree with that philosophy. Yeah. Um, and that has never been, uh, maybe because I was a little older when I, I started working there. Um, you know, I was early 30s. So I knew already that, that I knew where my boundaries were, and I knew that if I was going to last anywhere at a job, um, it was going to have to be on a little bit on my terms because that's the way you can sustain it, right? If you're burning yourself out and not taking vacation and not taking care of yourself, that's not sustainable.
0: Yeah, not at all. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a really key insight that you have, that setting boundaries has to come from the employee. I think that's a really, really wise thing you just said. Um, so I'm curious whether you chose to work at your company because you knew the parental benefits there were so great. I mean, I know part of it was about your commute. Um, did you look into those when you were being hired or did you not really think about them?
1: Oh boy. I wish I could say I had that much forethought. Um, I knew, so I had never worked at a large company, um, prior to that. So part of the draw of it was, because I knew larger companies usually had better, you know, more comprehensive benefits. And I knew that this particular company was one that people felt very good about working there. Mm -hmm. Um, And and they had a lot of, they had a reputation for keeping people on, you know, long term and having lots of career people sticking with them. So that was good for me. I didn't look into the details of the parental, but I was delighted to find out um, later that that was that was in place and that they were also o- very open to suggestions I had um, as a working mother as to how they could do things better um, because the company has multiple sites and some sites are you know a little bit farther along in the process than others they have global policies but they're not always implemented the same way so I felt like I could I had partners in my company that would work with me and help make things better not only for me but for future mothers too um, as they figured out you know, sort of on a case by case basis, what worked best locally.
0: Yeah, that's great. So how much time did you take off then?
1: Uh, let's see. I think with each of my kids, I took about two months. Okay. Uh, well, no, I want to, maybe it was closer to three. So I definitely took uh, my, we were entitled to take four weeks prior to the due date. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, this is another thing that I've coached women that I've Come in contact with since that I, I encourage everybody to take that time. Um, it is a rare chance f- to have some time to yourself, to prepare mentally and physically, get lots of sleep, get lots of healthy exercise at whatever level you can. Um, just some quiet time when you're not focusing on a billion things at work to finish the process of preparing to bring this new person into the world and how much your life is going to change. Um, and because for me in particular, I felt, you know, sleep was one of my biggest challenges after I had my children, um, <laughs> getting enough and getting any. And so that last month of, um, you know, that ninth month of being pregnant, being able to sleep whenever I basically wanted to and could, um, um, was wonderful. And yeah. I, I, it was a rare chance.
0: I feel like that's such a, a a secret, a mean secret that nobody tells you. Like not only will you leave the hospital with a new baby, but you know you will have uh, you will have been through labor, which was however many hours. and right. once labor is over, it's not like, okay, I just finished my twenty four hours of labor now I can sleep. It's like <laughs> now you're, you know, 24 hours sleep deprived and you have a crying baby (laughs) and you just, you start parenthood on no sleep.
1: (laughs) Right. Yes. And, you know, depending on how things go, you know, if you, if a woman chooses to breastfeed or how things go with how her baby's doing health wise and how she's doing, what kind of recovery she has from the delivery, um, That's a lot kind of stacked up against you, I think, Um, or at least those things can be very challenging. So I think having a month of just downtime, finishing up whatever preparations need to be done to the house or shopping or whatever, what do you have to take care of? Having that month to focus on just uh, making that transition personally, I think is very important. I think some people. You know, I've heard say, oh, I, I'm going to work right up to the very last day because I want to save my time to be with my baby. And I can completely appreciate that. However, <laughs> I think that that's a rare, like I said, it's a rare opportunity to have some me time um, that women don't often get. Um, and it's even much more difficult to have once you have the baby. So, so, I looked at it as you know this i 'm entitled to this i 'm taking it, and i I never looked back. It was great. Um,
0: that is more awesome advice um, so so, when you went back, um, did you go back full time immediately, or did you kind of ramp back up
1: um, I went back full time um, both in both occasions mm-hmm. there were after my second daughter was born um, I had particular challenges with with sleep deprivation. Uh, I was nursing both of them. Um, I nursed my first daughter quite a while. Uh, And so when it came time to going back to work after the second baby, it was challenging because when I got home, um, you know, I had two small children to deal with, um, and they needed a lot of nursing because they'd been without me all day. Um, and so throughout the night, the, you know, that would happen and it was all great. And the kids were getting what they needed and everybody was happy, but I wasn't getting a lot of sleep. And, you know, I had a period of time, which I really thought I was kind of going crazy because my attention was not good. My memory was not good. Um, had some, you know, challenges where I started to feel like, things were a little rocky. And, um, I talked it over with somebody and, you know, they ask all the normal questions cause there are issues that, you know, some mothers, a lot of mothers have with postpartum depression. Um, so those concerns can be very serious. And what it boiled down to was, no, you just need to get more sleep. Yeah. Um, and so we made some changes and sort of, you know, on the weekends I would take, you know, everybody knew that between 12 and five, on the weekend days, you know, don't bother me. Um, and I got caught up in my sleep. Yeah, it really was. And and it would just, you know, it was just a little focused effort over a few week period. And pretty soon I was caught back up and feeling much, much better. So you just have to do, go with what works.
0: Yeah. How great that you identified it though and, and figured out the problem. Yeah. Um, you mentioned nursing and, um, when I met you back at, uh, the Grace Hopper celebration last October, I, I think I remember you telling me that you helped to set up nursing or a mother's room at your workplace. Am I remembering that correctly?
1: Yes, you are. You have a good memory. (laughs) Um, yeah, that was one of the things where I was referring to earlier where I helped, you know, established kind of a little more formal thing at my workplace. There hadn't been, because there's so many, you know, men compared to women working there, that wasn't really a big issue. Um, and I was one of the first at that particular site to go through the process and say, hey, we really need to have something in place because I don't have anywhere to pump. Mm-hmm. Um, so they set up a small, I, I mean, it was, wasn't much more than a, a closet, um, but they put a little, like a little tiny couch in there and a table and and had power and it was private. Um, and now it's morphed into a little bit more formal thing that, that they actually have a, a calendar that you can sign up for and they can schedule it. Um, and it's, it's, um, access controlled. So nobody can go in there unless they're supposed to be there. Um, and, um, I feel proud of the fact that, you know, I was a part of establishing that, but it made a huge, huge difference so that I had someplace quiet and, um, secure, um, that I could pump cause I did pump a lot, um, especially after my second daughter, um, And um, I I really felt it made a big difference into helping mothers feel comfortable and not quite so odd. You know, you feel like, you know, your peers are not really dealing with any of this and they're (laughs) not super supportive because they don't really can't really relate. Um, But I know that um, as time went along and more of my friends um, either got pregnant or their wives got pregnant, um, as the case may be, they were very appreciative of the fact that, you know, somebody had Taking the, t- taking the time to forge the path a little bit and make things easier so uh, I was very grateful for that and um, as far as breastfeeding goes I got a lot of help and support from my local um, La Le Leche League
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, leaders and I'm actually still involved with that organization today as their treasurer um, many years later because oh, wow. I feel like I need to give back to them yes I and it's that's the only thing I really am involved in but I keep track of their money and I pay, prepare their tax things or whatever um, and it's sort of my way of thanking them for everything they did because I had challenges with my first daughter and they were super helpful. And, um, I think it made a huge difference to my parenting. Um, my mm-hmm. kids were fairly high need and they really needed that focused one-on-one time and attention, um, even as they got to be toddlers. And so I was very grateful for that. They, it, it really worked well for us. Um, it was certainly was the most, the cheapest and most convenient and healthy option. Yeah. Um, but as far as a parenting tool, it was amazing. So
0: Yeah. Um, I'm curious. I also pumped and uh, I found it was, I mean, I'm so glad that I did it, that I, I nursed my baby until he was 18 months old, I think. And um, it, it also for us, I would say that was an extremely important part of our relationship. But I did find it hard. I worked to, um, just the fact that pumping takes you, out of what you're doing so that you have to leave your desk and whatever task you're working on and go into this totally different space for, mm-hmm. um, you know, 20 minutes or however long it takes for mm-hmm. you to set up and pump mm-hmm. and, and break it all down and, and get back to your desk. Um, do you, I, I know it's been a long time, but do did mm-hmm. you have any strategies for helping like deal with the, the interruption to your flow that,
1: did that, that was I remember that being a challenge as well because um I, I don't maybe it's true at a lot of other workplaces or industries as well, but in particular, having to interrupt your thought process or whatever's going on around you and step aside um, was a little disruptive at first however um it, it, I found it useful to think of it in that I really need some focused time during the day anyway. Um, and I often would um, get in the habit of working at my desk over lunch, um, and not taking a lot of time away from my desk during the day. Um, and so that time when I knew, you know, it was obvious I needed to go pump, um, I kind of looked at it as, okay, this is my sort of meditation, me time, um, time to just unplug from everything and do something fun. You know, I would sometimes read or, um, play a game or something on my phone or whatever, um, just to give myself a little bit of focused, not doing anything else except taking care of me and doing something good for the baby. Um, and so I tried to to to, position it that way. And once I thought of it that way, then it wasn't such a disruption. It was, I used to really start to look forward to it.
0: Yeah. That sounds like a great approach. Yeah. All right. Well, so I'm, I'm also curious about, uh, what kind of support you needed from other people. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm guessing that you, when you went back at two months, then your, your kids were in some kind of childcare.
1: Well, actually I was very fortunate at that time. Um, so uh, I am divorced now, but my, my husband at the time was very, very supportive. And it, financially for us, it made sense for him to stop working um, when we first had our first child. Um, and he has been the most amazing uh, partner and parent, um, I would say, made it so easy and um, stressless for me to go actually go back to work full time. Um, I never had any worries about, you know, the kids were safe and taken care of. Um, I have seen, you know, and experienced my peers, my female peers at work having to take calls from daycare or, you know, run off because something happened, um, take the kids to the doctor or whatever. Um, and I was really able to jump right back in and focus on my job. Um, and I'm very grateful for that. Um, it sounds amazing. It, it is, uh, it really was. And, um, you know, I, I joke with him, but I, I I'm pretty serious about the fact that it, if it had been the reverse where I had the I was the one who expected to stay home and he would be work, I don't think it would have worked out nearly as well. Mm-hmm. Personality wise and um I would have been driven right up the wall uh, by <laughs> being home twenty four seven with the children. So um I was really uh in a in a wonderful position um to do that and still to this day we, we co parent quite smoothly. Um we always seem to be able to stay on the same page, and it made a huge, tremendous difference. Um, obviously, that made me, you know, the breadwinner and needed to feel a lot of responsibility in providing for financially for the mm-hmm. family, um, but I knew that he had me covered um, as far as the the well-being of the children and, you know, taking care of their day-to-day needs so that I could focus on work when I needed to be there.
0: Oh, that's so great. Yeah, I wonder sometimes whether the um, one person working, one person staying home, family structure is something that is as outmoded as I was brought up to believe that it was, (laughs) you know, in, in, uh, in my generation, um, everybody, uh, you know, we were just taught that we would work and be parents and, uh, everybody would work and be parents and we'd be in these two family working households. And I, I'm not totally convinced that that's the way it necessarily has to be.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you there. I think that everyone has to really decide for themselves what works. Yeah. And, and um, you know, I, I don't want to imply that, you know, having two-career household is at all the lesser option <laughs> um, because it's a reality. It's a financial reality, and I think that it can work, and there are some wonderful daycare solutions and very supportive family. And um, I think that that's probably an area of opportunity for our industry as a whole. Mm. Um, I would like to see... Um, there be less of a divide of attention and energy and time for working parents of both sexes. Um, Because I think that it really takes a lot away from your resources to have to divide your attention. Um, And I also think it would be great if more parents could spend a little bit more time during the workday with their children whether it be on-site daycare or just being having the flexibility to step out and then you know take a long lunch and come back and work their hours um around their family schedule a little better um i think that the the trend that is kind of going on where more and more um at home work is being done remote telecommuting mm-hmm. and things like that i think I'm, I'm tremendously supportive of all that i think that it helps um people enforce the boundaries that they need to have to have their work family balance yeah, in, in check. Um, and also a lot of that work is really not important. Some of it is not important to be done face to face in the office every day. I just don't yeah, true. think that that's absolutely a requirement.
0: So take that Marissa Mayer. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. I, I haven't worked remote. Uh, I haven't worked in an office in years and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, it was an adjustment, but, um, and I, I also don't have my kids around when I'm working. Mm-hmm. My kid goes off to, to child care, but um, I wouldn't be able to work at
1: all otherwise. So Right. And, you know, I'm not – and like I said, I would not have been – I don't think I would have been content being a, a totally stay-at-home parent, just me personally. However, and, and by the same token, I don't want to work at home all the time. Yeah. Um, so I have a balance now where I work at home somewhere between two and three days a week, and they vary – depending on what's going on. I have a lot of um so I'm a manager of I have a full time team of eight and then I have at any given time about twenty five rotational Wow, that's
0: um, a lot of people. Folks.
1: Yeah. Um and they stay with me somewhere between nine months and a year. So I have a lot going on with a lot of people. So um I I depending on what's going on and I need to be in the office that's great I, I, I am there and I like having my my cube in the cube farm and um, having my social time with friends and colleagues that I've known a long time mm-hmm. um, but on the other hand I'm very productive at home um, and now that my kids are a little older they, they get it um, it took us a little while to work that out but um, I can be a lot very productive at home because there's a lot fewer distractions you know from the office a lot less noise um, and, and yet I can still be available do things or, you know, go to appointments or what have you, take care of things at the house if I need to. So.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I get, I get into a good state of flow. That state of flow that was so elusive when I was pumping milk is not <laughs> hard working at home in a quiet house. Right. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, I want to take a quick break uh, to mention that our sponsor Heroku is always looking for great talent. So listeners can check out jobs.hirogu.com for listings. All right. Well, uh, you've, uh, you've mentioned that you had a lot of support from your husband and you had La Leche League. Um, were there any other, uh, resources that you found helpful, right? When you're, when your kids were small,
1: um, let's see. Well, definitely, you know, I didn't have any immediate family in the area because I had moved across the country, but um, my husband's family was super supportive. Also, I met a lot, an awful lot of um, other mothers through the Leche League meetings, um, mm-hmm. and that was sort of became my um, non-work social social circle. Um, mm-hmm. And so we would, you know, visit each other's homes and have sort of play dates and. Um, you know, the excuse for getting together was to talk about <laughs> um, breastfeeding, but really we were just sharing a lot of knowledge and tips and tricks and stress and venting and um, having our kids play together because they keep each other busy, um, yeah. give the moms a break. Um, and um, so that was very helpful as well, I think, spending time with other people who are dealing with the same you know, kids at the same stage or work-life balance issues is very helpful because everyone's got different ideas on how to do things. And sometimes you don't think of a certain way of approaching or solving a problem and somebody else did. And it's great to share those on a day-to-day basis.
0: Yeah, definitely. I, uh, I also only had, um, parent friends outside of work. I was in the same situation as you, where I was working with a bunch of, young single men. And, um, and I do think it's important to, to have other parents you can talk to and kind of observe, Mm -hmm. you know, you just, you hear them discipline their kids in a a way that you didn't think of or, Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, they have, they've heard of some place that you can go with your kid. That's like a revelation. Like, Oh, Mm -hmm. let's try that next Saturday.
1: Um, Yeah. And I would agree that And it was funny is as I've seen, you know, over the, the, period of my career at this company i have seen now my my male peers that were single and childless when i met them now have i've seen them get married and have children and and watch how they figure that all out Um, and they i've been very surprised at the level of creativity that uh, i have seen a number of them exhibit when solving parenting problems Um, and some of them i think could I don't know that I can think of a really great example at the moment, but they—it's almost like having them be sort of those gamers, you know, when they were coming up and and mm-hmm. that's what they did f- for their hobby. Um, they had very creative solutions to how to how to deal with their children and and um, things I never would have thought of as a woman or as a <laughs> you know mother. And I thought, wow, what a neat way! You know, like just to give them credit for taking the skills that they had learned professionally and to have fun with things and use that in a parenting context because kids are all about things that are fun. Yeah. Um, Making a game of it, you know, making a point system for good behavior (laughs) or rewards or whatever, right? And um, it's it's obviously something that's becoming more part of our culture as young people grow up and, you know, everybody knows how to play video games and all the different structures there are for keeping track of your inventories and all that stuff. Um, I just thought it was, uh, it was neat to see them adapt that to their parenting. Um, and, um, obviously we had a lot of conversations, you know, as they, as they realized that these things that I had dealt with a few years before were relevant. Suddenly, um, they had a a, a million questions.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
1: So it was a good, it was a neat way to bond with my peers in a different way, you know, becoming parents.
0: Oh, cool Well, so now your kids are are older um mm-hmm. pre teens would you say is that yes. is thirteen oh. actually a teen
1: <laughs> well, we're gonna find out uh, yeah. <laughs> it's um, kid, yeah, it's a different transition so
0: so uh what are they into these days like what are are their lives like do they have a busy after school schedule that, that needs attention from you or like what's going on and how do you manage it?
1: Well um let's see so um like I mentioned uh, I'm divorced now and so we have two households that the kids spend time with roughly half and half. Um it varies depending on what time of year it is and um but my let's see my so my 13 year old is very into art and um Legos and video games. Um hmm. And putting all those three together. So her art is very often about, you know, characters from sci-fi and gaming and um, <laughs> Lego. So it's very interesting to see. Um, and but a, a very good student and uh, very self-managed, which I'm taking full credit for. <laughs> uh I, as I've moved into the transition of, of, of managing people, I'm starting to coach my kids early on how to be easy to manage. I think that's probably the best lesson I can give them is, you know, if you're an employee who's easy to manage, that's going to be a lot in your favor. Yeah. Um, so that's what she's into and she's, uh, transitioned to middle school this year. So it's a whole different, you know, environment and having six teachers to keep happy instead of just one, um. And figuring out sort of where she fits socially and deciding how much of her identity she wants to sort of trade off in terms of the balance, you know, the, the payoff being popular mm-hmm. uh, versus being who she is in this individual. And um, she's definitely come come down on the side of I am who I am. And eventually I'll find people who share those interests. And if I don't, yeah, maybe I won't be popular.
0: Good for her
1: yeah it's interesting to see. Um, now the younger one has made you know obviously still in elementary school without her sister they're They're exactly two years apart. Um, and so they've shared a lot socially up to this year, and now they've both had a chance to kind of branch out and you know the younger one is figuring out she has to be a little more social and um, can't just hang out with her sister all the time. Um, but is finding her own way she's she's enjoying being in track um, and uh, she loves math and science um, so she, she has quite a few different interests um, they still have a lot in common and they get along very well but uh, it's interesting to see them kind of develop their own thing after being you know together in school at the same school for several years and they won't be together in school at the same school for another uh, until my youngest is a freshman in high school. So
0: oh.
1: I'm going to have some time apart during the day. So it's <laughs> interesting to see them make that transition.
0: Yeah. So, uh, in terms of their, uh, their activities, do you have to think about it at all during your work day? Do you have to coordinate with other people to get them places or,
1: you know, I really don't have a whole lot of that. So the way we have worked it out, um, between my ex and me is that he, he has primarily custody of them during the school week. Um, and, um, luckily we are fortunate to be able to have, um, convenient busing. So the kids basically, um, I think he mostly takes them to school and, and they take the bus home to his place. Um, and they don't, they are not involved in a lot of extracurricular activities aside from my younger one is in track. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't have a lot of demands on their time or scheduling, um, things outside of school, which I'm a little bit grateful for. Um, you know, I see other parents juggling soccer and ballet and all these different things, which is great, um, but it makes it more complicated for the family, of course. Yeah, um, or even so,
0: like you know, getting to friends' houses to play. Of course. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: And, and my kids don't spend a lot of time at other friends' houses, um, just based on their interest level. Yeah. Um, but we do do. Um, we have a couple of sets of peers that we will do overnights or some weekends, um, which is fun to be able to change, exchange kids and get a break and, um, mix it up a little bit. Um, and I like exposing them to other people's, you know, homes, homes and parenting styles and what they have, what challenges they have versus, cause you know, they get a little, um, wow, my life is so tough. And I'm like, oh, well, yeah, maybe <laughs> you should talk to more people. Yeah, <laughs> You actually have a pretty good, but so you know, the, you we don't have a super complex social life for them at the moment um, outside school, and things are relatively calm. Um, and mostly, you know, I think the the biggest challenge we have is is setting good limits on screen time. I mm. think that's something that's a lot of pressure. Um, kids always want more and more and more. And you know, back in you know when I was a kid, it was TV, um, and we had no limits. You know, yeah, <laughs> it was just considered a, a super perfect thing to have your kids plop down and that's what everyone did Um, but I I try to I I tend to be a lot more conservative I think than people would think given that I work in the tech industry but there's plenty of time for them to get totally absorbed in that if that's what they choose Uh, but I want them to have a a rounder experience and spend time outside and playing with just old-fashioned toys and writing things and doing art and you know getting exercise uh, playing with a dog so um, we, I tend to be a little conservative. I, I use it as a, a, a primary parenting tool for rewarding, you know, acceptable and good behavior mm-hmm. and good habits, um, being supportive of the family and the household work that needs to happen, being self-sufficient. Um, and it's a very easy way to say, okay, so you're not really meeting expectations on this, that, or the other thing. And so, you know, it's going to cut into your screen time. And that gets their attention right away. Yeah. Um, and I, they have a lot of peers who don't have a lot of limits. You know, they have an iPhone, they're, you know, at 10 years old or whatever. Yeah. Um, that is not wow. the case for me. Um, and, and I think they're beginning to already to see that that can get a little out of hand. You know, they're, they're some of their friends, the, all they can talk about on Mondays is all the video games they played all weekend. That's all they did. Um, oh, wow. and even they see the, the, that that's not necessarily a great thing you know, that's, that really limits, there's other things to spend time on. There's, there's all kinds of, the whole world's out there. Um, it's not just on your screen. We all love screens, but, um,
0: yeah, <laughs> well, you would love Germany here. Um, I think I'm maybe the only <laughs> parent who lets my five-year-old touch a screen, um, and the, the rest are all playing with wooden toys. Uh, right. but yeah, um, yeah, I, I I do think it's important to, to strike a balance and it's interesting to me hearing about how you're striking it with your older kids because right now my son is five and uh he and I mostly play iPad games together you know it's still a like cuddle up in my lap kind of activity and it's together time in addition to being screen time and it's mostly learning oriented and not like you know uh angry bird <laughs> oriented or or whatever whatever the kids are playing minecraft i don't know oh, um, <laughs> uh, but uh but I'm sure a day will come when he will want to be playing games that i don't really approve of and wanting to be doing it by himself and not with me and for as long as he wants and Uh, it's interesting to think about what I will do (laughs) as that approaches. Yeah.
1: And it's, you know, it's just like anything else. You just kind of have to set some expectations and set some boundaries. You know, this is, I know you really enjoy this and it's really fun and everyone, we have to have our recreation. Um, but it's sort of a limited way of communicating and interacting with the world. And so I want you to, you know, uh, you, my child, I want you to be a nice person to be around I want you to have other knowledge in your head besides how to rack up points in a game. Mm -hmm. Um, I want you to be a person who can meet a partner or a roommate or a friend, spouse, someday in the future. I want you to be able to meet them halfway in terms of taking care of yourself and knowing how to cook and mind your business and mind your money and um, be a good citizen, um, contributor to the world. And so... Video games don't do a lot for that, and so we're going to spend time doing other things. Um, My kids will tell you, uh, my job is to turn you into a nice human being that other people want to be around. Um, (laughs) And They're like, yes, mom, we know. Um, But it's true, and, you know, uh, I don't set the limits because I don't want them to have fun. right. Um, Right, but it, it, And once we have our work done and we have the, the house is in good shape and things are on track, um, supplies are replenished, shopping is done, then we can spend the rest of the afternoon. We can all just play whatever games we want to play together or separate and enjoy our screen time and have fun. Um, so that's it how we balance like you've it. Sounds like
0: you set it up really well.
1: Yeah. Most days it works great. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, you know, they are always other days. (laughs) Yes. Yes, Um, mama said there'd be days like this. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, uh, what, what skills, um, have you gained from parenting? If, if you can think of any that you feel like you bring back to the workplace that, that make you a different worker than you were before you had Mm -hmm. kids? Um, yeah, or, or vice versa, you know, Mm -hmm. from skills from work that you think you, make you a better parent?
1: Well, I think that um, I never really anticipated that there would be as much common ground and lessons to learn between being a parent and managing people. And I don't mean just managing in terms of supervising. I mean dealing with other people in relationships and trying to work with them to get, get them to give them what you need and to do vice versa for them. Mm-hmm. we you know, play nicely on the playground. Um, and, but I have found that there are a lot of parallels between like subjects I just touched base on, like being easy to manage. What does that mean? Um, you know, you want to be able to get, get and capture your manager's attention in good ways and stay off their radar in other ways um, because it just causes a lot of complications. And so I think that um, being a parent, I'm very alert to To things where um, if I mapped it against uh, an employee and a manager situation, that would not work out so well. Mm. Um, And I I have obviously in my career seen a lot of people come and go um, and seen managers come and go and and saw a lot of conflict going on and where people just didn't seem to understand that their behavior and their choices and how they communicated had a direct relationship had a direct result in how their career was going, you know, and they, some people never made that connection between, you know, you are just not being a very good employee. (laughs) You know what I mean? Your manager is having to spend time doing things that they don't want to do. They don't want to learn about, you know, policies and HR violations and attendance and you know what I mean? They want to spend time doing the work and anything you can do to make sure that the time they spend with you is focused on your growth and development, what work you're supposed to be doing and moving the, the department agenda, the division agenda, the company agenda forward. That's what people want to work on. Um, and so having to put time and energy into correcting behavior and, you know, meeting expectations is not what anyone wants to do. So, um, I try to carry that over in how I manage my employees. Um, and make it easy for them to learn the the things I need them to learn to, to move their careers forward and make sure we have a smooth working relationship, but also do that with my children so that when they get to be 18 and they have their first job, this isn't their first time they've dealt with, you know, these issues. They understand that they have to meet a boss's expectations, and they have to understand what's necessary and be on time and, you know, have your stuff together. Right. Right. And that's never going to yeah. that's going to serve you well no matter what you do if you're an artist or a plumber, you know, real estate president, whatever. Um having your own stuff together and being able to manage your own uh workflow and your own skill and your own growth and development that's going to go a long way to to getting you to where you want to go in your career.
0: Totally agree. I hope I will do that as well as it sounds like you do it. <laughs> Oh, well, um, ask my kids. <laughs> <But anyway. laughs> right. We do a 7-Up thing where we check back in, <laughs> in a few years and see how they're doing. Um, well, uh, you've given tons of great advice, and I'm wondering if you have any last, like, secret weapons uh, or, you know, like, if you could travel back in time to give yourself advice. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, is is there any, uh, are there any other things that you would want to say to, uh, to expecting moms in the tech industry Mm -hmm. or working moms or Mm -hmm. people who aren't even thinking of having a kid yet, but you know, they will someday.
1: Right. Well, let's see. Um, I would encourage people to don't, you know, not be afraid to ask for what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, even when even when it seems like the boundaries are really super clear and you're not going to be able to get the support you think you might need, don't be afraid to ask um, because, you know, companies and organizations are, they have to have structure for a reason, but they're also made up of individual human beings. Um, and there are often ways to, f- to work together to find creative solutions that work within the policy, but at the same time giving you the flexibility and, and tailored support that you need. Um, and I think any company that that really values its employees knows that there's got to be some give and take, and there are certain periods in people's working career when um, that balance needs to change around family and children. And then if, if everyone stays on the same page and it works out and needs are taken care of, then, when their children don't need them so much when they're little. That gets rewarded in all kinds of loyalty and um, um, willingness to go the extra mile, do more traveling, that sort of thing. Um, once the kids' needs are, are passed, they're not so intense when they're little. Um, and I think that can work out really well on both sides of the equation. Um, I would also encourage people to um, think carefully. Um, if you're thinking of having kids... Um, take time to do your own individual thing first. Um, it's, it, it all changes and you, you know, you, it'll be a long time before you can put your own needs first, truly first. Um, and so you want to make sure you get, <laughs> you get your big bucket list things out of the way, um, and figure out who you are and what you want to be in the world before you, you know, start devoting resources to another, another person.
0: I think that's, that's, uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, my OBGYN, I remember in my twenties and my late twenties, she kept asking me, uh, are you thinking about having kids when are, don't wait too long. I, I think she felt hmm. like women are waiting really, you know, probably, uh, to, to, uh, an extreme that, um, Mm -hmm. you know, for her, you know, she sees problems with people conceiving or having, um, you know, the, the genetic things Mm -hmm. that, that the risks increase, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's sort of interesting trying to figure out like, when is, when is that right time? Um, Mm -hmm. I, I often wish that I had had kids a lot Younger because I feel like I would have had more energy for running after oh, them. Oh, yes. Um, yes. But when I look back, I'm also glad that I did what I did with my career in my 20s. And I know it wouldn't be in the place it is now if I hadn't done those things. Right.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's, it's obviously a different calculation and equation for everybody, for everybody. But I know that I would not, you know, my 20 year old self would not have made a very good parent at all. Um, yeah. My 30 year old self was much better. Mm-hmm positioned and just a lot calmer. And, um, I had learned more things from experience rather than theoretical, what other people had told me. Um, and I was a lot more sure of my convictions by that time. And sometimes, you know, some people really, that's what they want as a family right away. And that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, works out for them. For me, that wasn't the solution. And I felt, um, much better prepared to deal with the enormity of becoming a parent with a little bit of experience under my belt and a little more resources, you know? Um, well, you sound
0: very calm and collected about it now. <laughs> I know that's uh, isn't that great? one side of the coin, right? But um, Exactly. <laughs> thank you so much for talking today and for sharing uh, your experiences. I'm sure it will help a lot of women.
1: Well, I had a great time and I'm happy to be of service and I'm looking forward to hearing future episodes.
0: Okay, great. Well, that wraps up this episode of The Motherboard. Thanks to Heroku and all of our Kickstarter supporters. Anyone who missed the Kickstarter can head over to motherboardpodcast.com slash support and help sustain the podcast. The podcast, excluding theme music and sponsor reads, is released under a Creative Commons license. To learn more, visit motherboardpodcast.com slash about last but not least, all views expressed on the podcast are individual opinions and not representative of any company. Thanks for listening.